You're listening to The Breakfast Show. We have come into our second hour. It is 8.05 a.m. And right now we are going to have another question for the quiz. Okay, this is a multiple choice answer. James 4 refers to life as a what? Is it A, a blessing, B, bond, C, song, or D, vapor? So James 4 refers to life as what? Blessing, bond, song, or vapor? That's A, B, C, or D. Give us a call, 0491-064-669. Tell us which one of those four options it is, and you could be winning a prize on Friday, which is not yeah. tomorrow. I was about to say tomorrow, but tomorrow is still Thursday. That's right. Man, this week is like, it's kind of been slow. Oh, really? You think so? It's been slow for me because well, you're sick. Cause I've been a little bit sick. I haven't been going, other, other than Faith FM, I haven't been participating in any work outside of this. And so I've just felt like every day is just being a drag, bro. Maybe you're sick because you're not eating your porridge. Uh, okay, Monica. Monica is a fantastic person, all right. I just want to get that off the no you know off my chest. No. And she made me some breakfast this morning, and she made me some porridge. I hate porridge. Such an ungrateful. I, brat. I dislike porridge so much. Like it is by far easily my least favorite breakfast food. And I know I'm picky already. Like I'm, he's such he's such a brat. I literally made him avocado on toast, which was I, amazing. Plus I gave him a pear and he's like, oh, this pear is terrible. And then I gave him some porridge. He's like, oh, I hate porridge. Like he's some little toddler. You need to like take note from our last segment and just learn how to regulate your emotions and just grow up and eat some porridge. Okay. How about porridge it? is so good for you. It's like one of my all time favorite foods. What if, what if, so if like, anyone wants some porridge, please come to the studio. I literally have a bowl of freshly made porridge sitting right here right now just going to waste on those starving children all over the planet and lawson's just like turned his little nose up at it you're not cute to me anymore (laughs) (laughs) okay uh let's have a look at some text messages from the (laughs) listeners american petrol prices half price fuel there are still good people out there god will bless them nothing like a good story in the morning thanks for the hot tip monty I i think you're trying to say monica I'll take oh, Monty. Yeah, Monty. Well, I guess that's in regards to going to Woolies and checking out yeah, price yeah, yeah. discrepancies. Yeah. I've never thought of that before. Yep. No, I've never, ever, ever, ever done that. Um, FYI, there are buffaloes in Australia, exam- in ex- like, for example, Canberra, once got moved on by police for silently praying outside of an abortion clinic, completely peaceful, no signs. Police asked, what are you doing? Said praying. They said they'd arrest us. If we didn't move on as we were breaking the laws. So this is that's from Rachel. This is oh, in wow. Australia. Wow. That's what they were doing. Uh, in Queensland, the Gov has turned it over to the schools to choose if they require all staff to be vaccinated. So hopefully I will be able to continue my teaching degree. Amen. The lady praying, good on her. This world is falling apart and she was willing to stand up for those in need. Mm, yeah. Agree. Thanks, Brayden, for sending that in. Like, yeah, that's right. She's she's praying silently for those in need, definitely. Fine for praying in silence in the UK. The police have lost their minds. I would say, yes, it's the police, but the police just follow orders at the end of the day. They have a job to do to get paid for. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of sympathetic to police. In uh, that situation, I'm not sure. Yeah. But it's... It also is just terrible. Uh, the police have lost their minds. If shooting the lady was legal, they would have done it. 
I am so glad that God can read the hearts and he will judge. I wonder how much will uh, God's people listen to the government laws in these last days. Let's not apologize to anyone for praying. This is called insanity. Let's be faithful to the end. Now, this kind of comes in contrast to our story that we talked about on Monday, right? Where we talked about the church that refused to let the government official in to do a COVID, you know, yeah. uh, health mm-hmm. check. I believe this very starkly stands in contrast to that because this is specifically like... I, I see this issue um, over, like, being targeted over something religious. Like, this lady is praying in silence, not breaking any lockdowns, not protesting, not doing anything. All she's doing is praying, and then she's being targeted. So, I see this situation as as different. And in regards to when the law stops us from being able to practice our faith in a very real sense, like, they're, they're literally stopping us from being able to pray silently, which is, like, thought police... Yeah, which is impossible, by the way. Uh, this is this is when it's like, hey, this is religious oppression. And she fought against it, and it got overturned. So, praise the Lord. Uh, finally here, mental health, emotional health. All mothers and fathers should be taught about this as soon as they realize a baby is on the way. I was, I was thinking that myself. Their children's emotional health depends on their emotional IQ or their EQ. Mm-hmm. I suppose love must be the center of EQ. Since God is a part, since God is love, that would be a great start. Positive thoughts and thinking would have to be very important for emotional health. I, yeah, I, I would definitely agree with this. I've, I've been, you know, I've, I've seen both sides of it in my life. I, I come from parents who definitely love me at the same time. I come from a family of divorce. And so, you know, I've seen where parents can be very loving and, you know, loving to each other, loving to you as a child. I've I've seen the other side as well, where parents aren't necessarily doing that. And I can say, and both of those experiences I had as a, you know, as a, as a child, well, you know, as someone who was under 18, you know, as a 15 year old, you know, that, that's when my, my parents split up. And I can, I can just definitely see uh, in that situation that, uh, yeah, like those things definitely affected me. The way that I interacted with my parents at that time definitely affected me. And the way that I interacted per- with my parents early in my life definitely affected me for the positive as well. So, and the, the way that I I- interact with my parents now affects me too. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, even though I'm a 23-year-old adult and I'm doing my own life and I've yeah, I have my own life and I'm doing my own thing. Um, yeah, definitely the influence of your parents is is huge. And so as a parent, you you want to be there, highly emotionally intelligent and, and giving your children, you know, as a parent, you want to set your kids up in every single way so they'll be able to succeed in life. And one of the biggest aspects of that is that they are emotionally healthy and they are emotionally exceeding because then that'll give them the ability to, like, if they're emotionally healthy, I think that, you know, there are so many occupations that don't rely on IQ mm. that I think that they will just, they'll just go well. Yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll get it done. a functioning human of society. That's right. That's right. So fantastic texts, guys. Thank you for sending in your thoughts, your anecdotes, your personal stories. Now, we're going to do a Bible study. We're, we're going we're gonna to get into it. We're going to jump in. And we're going to be reading... One of my other, we've read one of my favorite passages yesterday. I'm going to be reading one of my other favorite passages from the entirety of the Bible. But before we get into it, we're going to talk about a guy. His name is 
Job. I mean, Job. His, his name is Job. I remember when I first became a Christian about six years ago when I used to read my Bible and I was like, wow, guy's name Job. That is an unfortunate <laughs> name. Uh, but then people are like, no, it's Job. And I'm like, well, why doesn't it have an E on the end? Like, oh, point, it's actually. a foreign name. Mm-hmm. But the, at the same time, if it's a Hebrew name that's been transliterated into English, we have the ability to be able to dictate whatever letters are attached to it that we want. Yeah. And whatever pronunciation, but ultimately they decided on J-O-B. Yeah, maybe it's good they didn't have an E on the end because then they could have said Jobby, which would be unfortunate. Jobby. Yeah, that's that's kind of... But then, like, again, if we're going according to the laws of, like, conventional in English, like, it'd be like J-O-B-B-Y, like, mm-hmm. like, like, soggy or something. Yeah. Yeah. B-B-I. Yeah, that's right. Someone, some, some little person's going to be like, oh, it's Jobby. But some little person's <laughs> currently saying, oh, it's Job. <laughs> so, uh, a better job than Jobby. <laughs> okay, okay, fair enough. Uh, but Job, one of the oldest books in the Bible, one of the, well, essentially it's seen as, well, it's not chronologically the first in terms of the story of the Bible, but one of the first books written as Moses is seen to be a figure who came after Job. But we're going to go to Job chapter 23. And again, this is in regards to the crucible. And we've been looking at the shepherd who, who runs the crucible or the goldsmith, sorry, who runs the crucible. The person who, if you don't know what a crucible is, it's basically a big pot where you melt metals. It's essentially, it's essentially where you, where you cook metals and get all of, you know, you refine them, get all of the, uh, the imperfections out of the metal. It reminds me uh, a lot of uh, one of my favorite meals. It's called hot pot. And hot pot is basically you get a soup base and then you chuck everything in it and then you eat it. And as of that's coming out of my mouth, it sounds nothing like hot pot. <laughs> but at the same time, it's doing this job of, of, of cooking, of refining, of making perfect this metal. And we're going to see that taking place in the life of Job, someone who suffered a lot. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So we're going to go to Job chapter 23. We're going to start reading in verse 1. But before we read, does your Bible for this chapter, does it have like a subheading? Uh, Yeah, it says um, Job's eighth speech, a response to Eliphaz. Job's eight speech. Sorry, Job's eight Job's speech. Eight, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. In my Bible, it says Job proclaims God's righteous judgment. Oh, nice. So yours is like very specific. Yeah, it's like, it's you know, very yeah. in context mm-hmm. of the story. He's replying to this person. In my Bible, it's a little bit more poetic. Uh, and it's, yeah, God proclaiming, uh, Job, sorry, proclaiming God's righteous judgment. Let's start off at verse one and maybe we'll just read the whole passage through to verse 10. Then Job spoke again. My complaint today is still a bitter one, and I try hard not to groan aloud. If only I knew where to find God, I would go to his court. I would lay out my case and present my arguments. Then I would listen to his reply and understand what he says to me. Why would would he use his great power to argue with me? No, he would give me a fair hearing. Honest people can reason with him, so I would forever be acquitted by my judge. I go east, but he is not there. I go west, but I can't find him. I do not see him in the north, for he is hidden. I look to the south, but he is concealed. Mm. But he knows where I'm going, and he puts me. And when he tests me, I will come out as pure as gold. Oh, this passage is a banger right here. Yeah. You know what's so interesting? Job 
is looking, he is wanting, like in this initial passage, he is wanting God to judge him. He looks forward to judgment. How crazy is that? Think of yourself, you might be a Christian listening today, you might not be a Christian listening today, but we all recognize, like, okay, we are all sinful before God, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Ask yourself this question, right now, today, would you be comfortable with God judging you? Today. Today. Mm. Would you be comfortable sitting before the judgment seat of God and Him judging you? Big question. It's big. Mm. It's heavy. It's convicting. Yeah. Maybe it brings upon feelings of guilt. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe it brings upon feelings of, you know, maybe repentance. Mm -hmm. I think it's a fantastic question to ask because ultimately, you know, Jesus will come back in a time in which we do do not see and he will bring his reward with him. We understand from the Bible um, that the judgment is going on now. And the question is, okay, well, how do we survive through that judgment? Now, interestingly, Job is saying here that he would like judgment to happen now because if judgment happens, God would take note of him and his judgment would be fair and he would come out righteous. He would be delivered if judgment happened right now. But judgment isn't happening right now. And as a result, he's suffering. How interesting is that? Like, he's like, no, I want judgment to happen because then that means that good things would come upon me. It seems as though Job has a very deep understanding of eschatology or what is happening at the end time and how God deals with his people. Essentially, he recognizes and understands what we thousands of years later recognize and understand. When God judges, when God's judgment comes to an end, ultimately, you know, that then seals like the beginning of eternity. Like God judges this world. And, you know, he's done everything to save this world. Then he judges this world. You know, the division happens between the the righteous and the wicked. Uh, and then eternity begins. And there is no sin and there is no death and there is no pain. And what is Job experiencing a lot of right now? Like, what is he a going through? Pain. A lot of pain. Mm. He's lost everything. Yeah. He's lost his house. He's lost his kids. He's lost his wife. His wife didn't die. She just left him. He's lost his health. He's lost his wealth. Like... Job is suffering, and, and the reason he's suffering is because of, like, intergalactic, universal reasons. Basically, Satan is trying to crack Job to prove to God that true love doesn't exist. That's what is taking place right now. Now, Job is holding fast to God. He's holding steady, and he's actively saying, okay, I'm going through all this right now, and if jo- God's judgment could happen right now, I'd be found righteous, and all of this suffering would end. That's what he sees God's judgment as. And that's what we should see God's judgment as. And the question is, okay, well, oh man, God's judgment, that's that's heavy. Like, how do we get through that? The Bible says that not even the Father judges, but the Father, this is Jesus' words, he says the Father commits all judgment to the Son. The only way to get through the judgment is to know God, and specifically, to know Jesus. And so, uh, this is what, Job is essentially saying, I'll be able to get through the judgment easy. Why? Because I'm going through all this testing and I'm holding fast to God. God is blessing me. Now, we talked yesterday about how it is that that takes place. We talked about it's God doing the work, that supernatural, powerful work on our hearts. He has inspired us by what he's given us. 
but now he does that supernatural, powerful work on our heart to change us. And Job is having this experience. In spite of all of the suffering and the testing that he's going through, God is touching his heart and he is responding. God is working on his heart and he is actually being refined. And this is this is what we'll get to in a little bit. But it's amazing here. Job's understanding like, oh man, if judgment could come right now, I would be found righteous in spite of all my sufferings, in spite of everything that I've lost. I'd be found righteous and eternity would begin. Yeah. I would spend eternity with Jesus. He basically just wants to get to heaven. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Like, I'm done with that's this. right. And he's like, I don't care if there's a judgment. Mm-hmm. Like, I would get through it. Look yeah. at look at my life. Mm-hmm. Look at my look at all that I'm going through. You know, Paul in Second Corinthians chapter eleven, he does the same thing. Paul calls it foolishness. He's like, I don't want to boast. I don't want to tell you about my credentials of why it is that I'm a true apostle that I'm truly following God. But if I have to. Like, look at what I've been through for God. And and again, it's not because I'm this strong, amazing guy. It's because of what God has done for me. Like, that is the proof. And Job, he's saying the same thing. It's like, look at what I'm going through. Look at how I'm responding. This is a work of God in my heart. Like, I can hold no claim to this. So therefore, if I rocked up in a judgment, God would definitely be on my side. And I think the question is for us, man, can we say the same? Could we say, oh, man, if I, if I was in judgment before God, I'd be found righteous. I'd be fa- and what does it look like to be found righteous? Oh well, you know we're all sinners. I'd be found on God's side. Is that what we can say? That's that's okay. That's the first big question that we have this morning. But then, this is the interesting thing. He's like, oh, but I can't find judgment. Judgment isn't here yet. Like I'm just suffering. There is no judgment. There is no end to my suffering. There's no court case that's going to happen that's going to say, okay, like Job's suffering can end. That's not what. That's not. What is happening right now? I can go to the east, I can go to the west, I can go north or south, I can go up or down. <laughs> I'm not going to find the end of my suffering. And that's that's a tough thing to take because that can be quite discouraging. Like, oh man, like I'm suffering terribly. God being righteous would alleviate me from my suffering if I came into judgment right now because he would see that I'm righteous. Uh, but there is no judgment. There, I can't I can't find God's judgment. Like it's not here. The end is not yet. I'm still suffering. But then verse 10, that's a real quick kicker. Do you want to read that one again? But he knows where I am going, and when he tests me, I will come out as pure as gold. Okay. So for what reason, then, is Job going through this suffering? It's a testing phase. Uh-huh. Yeah. And and who has allowed this testing to take place? The Lord. God. Mm-hmm. Okay. Has Job... This, this is a really, really big question. This is really important. Is Job's testing okay is is it god here who is actively like testing him i mean not testing him but sorry tempting him and trying to cause him to sin no no how is he being tested are the devils uh working hard yes satan satan Mm -hmm. is there that this is such an important point it is Satan. The Bible is very clear. James chapter one. It's God. God Himself does not tempt anyone, so no one can say when they're tempted. It's God who calls me to sin. Uh, there is a large subset of Christianity. Uh, I would say amongst you know those within uh, you know the the branch of Calvinism, those who believe in predestination, who would say, oh no, like if you sin, it's been ordained by God and it's okay because they believe in predestination. All of our actions are ordained by God, but that's not what we're seeing here. Like no, like God. It, like, this is the thing. Job is in a situation in which he's being completely tempted by the devil, yet he's not falling. 
God isn't ordaining him to sin. God is ordaining that he should go through this this trial so that he would become stronger from it. God wants him to not sin, and God knows that he won't if he just continues to cling to him. This is super important. We're going to be exploring this and unpacking this even more. I feel like this 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 idea is so important for us to know. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. You are listening to The Breakfast Show, and we are going to have, for today, our final clue for the quiz. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of blank. Proverbs 16.25. That's a a bit of a classic there. I hope you guys get that one. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. If you get it correct, you will go into the draw to win a choice of puzzle and a choice of CD. Proverbs 16.25, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of blankety blank blank blank. Come and tell us. <laughs> That's right. 0491-064-669. Now, we've been reading about Job. We've been reading about his life, how he would like judgment to take place because it would vindicate him. He's he would, so done. He's he, done. He's like, he's over it. Yeah. But he knows, like, okay, this is going to keep, Continuing because God is is refining me like gold. He knows God's in control. That's right. Um, now, oh, again, we we were just talking about this. Is God saying to him, "Oh, so what I'm doing now is I'm going to make your life really hard and then give you license to be able to sin, um, and then you'll sin and you'll feel really bad and you'll come back to me." No, like not at all. God does not want this guy to sin. Now, if Job sins, like God is. Merciful and gracious and abundant in his love. If any of us sin, like he is faithful and just to forgive us for our sins. And cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Like that is the promise of God. Like that's that's what he wants to do for us. We can fall. We can sin. He wants to cleanse us. He wants to change us. But sometimes we go through these periods of trial so that he can grow us. Um, Just like, you know, for example, like you can... Be a, I'll use a an athlete uh, illustration. You know, you can be an athlete, and most athletes they start at a certain level, and then they increase their training and the intensity of it, like so that you just get better and better and better. God is wanting to train us. God is wanting to instruct us. God is wanting to, as Job says in verse ten, refine us like fire. Now, uh, sorry, refine us like gold in the fire, and test us and make us pure. Now, again, this is a work that. He does, both through the circumstances that we're in, as well as the work that he does in our heart. It's our, We have a need. that The only way that we receive growth is by relying on him and becoming more and more like him. I want to show you one of my favorite passages in the Bible that relates this. In fact, this is a passage that I would say kind of changed my life. It came to me in the second year that I was a Christian. I was going through some really hard times, and I read this passage, and it completely... Like, it it finally made me understand what the Christian life looks like. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. I preached on Hebrews chapter 12 recently at uh, the Raymond Terrace Mission Seventh-day Adventist Church. But we're going to be reading a section in which we didn't get to in my sermon. I I tuned into that that broadcast because they do a live broadcast and I tuned in. 
Sorry. Did you preach? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Monica wasn't there. She didn't want to see me in person. I was sick. Come on now. <laughs> but she did. She did listen along, and they do have a broadcast on on YouTube. I think YouTube, it's just like yeah. RTM. You can just RTM Church, and yeah. every Sabbath you can watch the broadcast. It's really that's right. Broadcast you can too. hear some fantastic messages from mm. the likes of Lyle and myself and Pogilin and other people there who are preaching. Uh, but. So that I I preached that day, and I know that those listening, they you weren't there, and so I'm just letting you know. Uh, I preached that day on the first three verses of Hebrews chapter two. I've tr- preached on pretty much the entirety of Hebrews eleven, the first three verses. But then afterwards, um, we're going to start in verse three. Do you want to read for us from verse three to verse six? Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as as his children? He said, My child, don't make light the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Mm, Amazing. So... This talks about the chastening. My Bible used chastening. Your Bible used discipline, punishment, all meaning the same thing from God. Uh, Now, it gives us an intro to this by saying, you know, for consider him. Who is him? Jesus. Consider him who endured such hostility at the hand of sinners. Like, and, And what I talked about in my sermon is the fact that Jesus was sinless and his sinlessness is what attracted hostility against him like we we think and i think it's true in a lot of cases if we live by god's principles and ideals we will live longer and happier lives you know whether it's in health whether it's in ministry whatever it may be but jesus's sinlessness was actually the biggest cause of his death the fact that he was trying to save the world it it, it made people so angry and upset living in the world of sin and you know he was so hated by satan that he was killed because yeah. of his mission to be sinless and to save the world. Like, it's it's gnarly. It's incredible. Uh, so consider him firstly. Look at Jesus. Like, look at what he went through. And then it says, and you, like, you haven't done the same. You haven't reached the level of Jesus. Why? Why? Because you've all sinned. Like, it says here, interestingly, it's like, you have not yet resisted unto bloodshed in striving against sin. And the question is like, oh, but there are some people who lose their life for the Christian faith. But have those people never sinned? No. The answer is no. Like, Jesus is the only one who lays claim to, oh, I, the only one who overcame sin Mm -hmm. in this life. Now, God, you know, we read the book of Revelation. He points forward to a time in which, like, his people were overcome. And we're called to overcome through the power of Jesus today. But all of us are, are sinners. We have all sinned. And we are overcoming sin that exists in our life. Jesus overcame sin and death because he never sinned. Continues on, though. And have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks at you as sons? So he's like, okay, guys, I have an encouragement for you from God. God is speaking to you as his son. And as God's son, he wants to encourage you. He wants to exhort you. He wants you to have the best experience of faith. And then it says, don't despise the chastening of the Lord for whom God loves he rebukes and chastens. He's like, okay, I want you to be encouraged by knowing that God, in loving you, will discipline you and lead you into hard situations to refine and change your character. And the question is, oh man, is that even encouraging? Like, yikes, like, oh wait, I would encourage you guys. God is going to punish you and discipline you to make you better 
It's like, oh, why can't God just give me like good things and like make me really happy? Now, this is incredibly encouraging, and we can be encouraged by this because we know those of us who had good parents know that we yeah. were disciplined, and that in- that was fantastic for us. Yeah, I mean, I think of it more as a correction. Like, you yeah. don't want to be heading down the path where you destroy your own life because you don't know any better. So. When God corrects your path, like, you know, one way of saying that would be discipline or chasing. That's right. And it can come through suffering. Mm. That's what we see in the case of Job. Like, he suffered a lot, but that was the chastening from the Lord that sorted this guy out, put his eyes on the Lord, put his eyes on God, like, strengthened him in his faith. And particularly, read verse 7 and 8 for us. This is the, the clincher right here. This is amazing. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who was never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, it means that you are illegitimate and you are not really his children at all. Wow. Mm. This is Hebrews. He is writing to Jewish people, the children of Abraham, the children of God, the people who laid the biggest stake in saying genetically, we are gods. Mm. And he says to them, if you don't receive chastening from the Lord, you're illegitimate. Yeah. Like that is scandalous to say to a child of Abraham, like you're illegitimate. That's scandalous. But he's like, no, it's through following God and being chastened by him, by experiencing that, that refining, that correction. That's how we know we're a true son of God. And so if you feel discouraged, if you're going through suffering right now, uh, you know, if, if you're if you're really striving against sin and it, it is a struggle, be encouraged. You're receiving chastening from the Lord and you're actually being blessed. You're being refined. And turn to him because I believe he'll enable you to overcome. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Hey, we are going to get into some answers for the quiz. <laughs> Sorry. There, Sorry. You poor little boy. Oh, so come sick. on. <laughs> Give us a break. Give us a break. <laughs> answers for the quiz. Is that what we're doing right now? Yes. Okay. Judas identified Jesus as the one to be arrested by kissing him. Uh, the book of the Bible that has the quote from Jesus saying, all things are possible to him that believeth is in Mark. Jesus was 12 years old when he observed Passover in Jerusalem. James 4 refers to life as a vapor, which was D, answer D. And uh, the quote from Proverbs sixteen twenty five: there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. It was death. It was death. I hope you got, excuse me, at least one right. <laughs> I had to eat all that porridge of Lawson so he wouldn't touch. Uh, sorry, sorry, I, sorry. I'm like double porridged up here and I'm really, really full. Amazing. But yeah, I hope you got something right and I hope it, uh, your entry goes well on Friday for the big draw. That's right, but right now it is time for... Question of the Day. Thank right, you, David from Ballarat, for sending this one in. We'll be answering this one live right now. Lawson, after the rapture and the Christians meet the Lord in the air... What will happen to our pets? Okay, this is a great question um, that I believe is informed by some incorrect theology. Now, the question is, is there a rapture? Uh, The answer is yes. The next question is, well, what does it look like? And the answer is, I I don't think, David, thank you so much for being listening to the show faithfully, but I don't think, um, yeah, the the perspective is quite correct. And we're, we're going to have a look at what the Bible says because a large 
portion of Christians believe that the rapture happens and it's the secret silent rapture that takes place. It's what's called the secret rapture, like what we see in, the, for example, the, like the Left Behind series. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is, pro- I would honestly say, it's probably one of the single most unbiblical doctrines that exists. Yeah. Um, it is, and it, 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 it informs bad politics uh, and it is, it is informed by bad theology. Mm-hmm. Now, Okay, what's the perspective then from the secret rapture? It's that we get raptured and then there's a seven-year period in which tribulation happens. And then after that seven-year period, Jesus comes back to the earth. So we get raptured to meet Jesus. We're with him for seven years and then we come back. This is not what the Bible says. And how do we know this? Okay, there's one verse that I want to turn to. There are a host of verses that you can read and David, if you would like to, or any of you guys would like to do a full-on Bible study into this topic, I would love to do it. But there's one particular place that I go that speaks against this idea so clearly. It's in the chapter second. It's in sorry, the book Second Peter, in chapter three and verse ten. The Bible says, "But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night." Now, this phrase. Thief in the night is in regards to, well, people say it's in regards to, oh, see, that's the secret rapture. And that's how it's a secret rapture because it comes as a thief. And the assumption is that all thieves are secret and silent. Cat burglars. That's right. But the reality is, is that actually all thieves come at an unexpected time. It doesn't mean it's secret. It doesn't mean it's silent, but it means it's unexpected which the second coming of Jesus will happen in. Now, they say um, this is the secret rapture because it comes as this thief in the night. And again, according to their understanding of theology, there is going to be an exact seven-year period so uh, between this secret rapture taking place and then Jesus coming back. So we know actually when Jesus is coming back, it's exactly seven years after the rapture. But this says the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. And let's see what happens. In which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. So what we see here is that this isn't the secret rapture. The day of the Lord that will come as a thief in the night is Jesus' second coming. Because the reality is there isn't a secret rapture that precedes Jesus' coming by seven years. It all happens in one event. There will be tribulation on the earth. And the world will get worse. And you will be living through it. But God will protect you. God will save you. And then Jesus will come back at this time. And that will mark the very end of the world. Again, I guess the the question on David from Ballarat's part is the idea of like, okay, if I get raptured up to heaven and then the earth lasts for seven more years, what happens to my dogs in their cage or my birds in their cage? Or, you know, who's going to feed them? What's going to happen to them? Now, the reality is... I do not know what happens at the second coming. We know that that situation and scenario is going to happen. I do not know what's going to happen at the second coming to our pets. I know that there will be animals in heaven. I don't know if there are pets from the earth. I don't know. But what I do know is that we'll be able to look after our pets until Jesus comes back because there will not be a secret rapture that will separate us from them for seven years. If you have a question, give us a call 0491064669. We're always looking for more questions. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM. Of course, as you go through the day, spend some time with Jesus and spend some time in Bible study by yourself. There's no substitute for it. Do not forget to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ.